Right, welcome everyone to Fazlift's podcast, episode 58. I am very pleased to have my guest Sunil on today. Sunil, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Faz. Um, it's an honor to be on the podcast. Uh, I've used this resource myself many times, and I'm really happy to, to be a part of this. Awesome. Well, I think um, the public are going to really want to hear what you've got to say, because I've had everyone's seen the pictures now, the final photos. And uh, I've had a lot of good feedback on that. So there's been a lot of people being very complimentary towards your physique, what you've accomplished. So a real massive wow factor. I, and I said to you on, um, on your Instagram, I don't personally think I've seen a transformation quite that dramatic uh, at all. Never mind you know, in my own coaching like at all. So um, it was really cool to be a part of that. No, yeah. Um, like, like we discussed uh, previously, like um, I was having a hard time like appreciating like yeah. how much that meant. But I'm t- I'm I'm listening to like yourself really and others, and just trying to let that sink in. Um, but you've been a massive part about uh, of that transformation um, that I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah, awesome. So we'll we'll crack off with the first question. I want to take it right back to the beginning. Uh, we started working together in uh, November 2019. Right now we're in September. 2020. Um, so let's start with the introduction of what were your goals when we first started working together? Because they were quite different to what we ended up doing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I was training before I started with you, um, the, th- the three main power lifts. So the squat, bench and deadlift. And I was looking to get into coaching myself. And so I went through this process of like with myself thinking I need to take this to the next level because I went through a block of training where I was maxing out and I'd hit my squat and then I'd fail my bench and deadlift. And I was like thinking to myself, like I need to change something here and I need to drop my ego and reach out for help and guidance. And I was introduced to yourself um, through Aaron. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I got introduced to yourself through Aaron. Um, and then that's where I, I think I shared this with you already, but I went to your Instagram and as I was scrolling through your, through your feed and then I saw that, uh, was it, is it 250 kg dead, deadly for reps? Yeah, there's a, there's a 250 on there from about four years ago and there's a 220 for 12, I think it was, um, on there as well. Uh, yeah, none, none of my biggest deadlifts are on there because they were all quite a few years ago. But uh, yeah, the two fifties on there anyway. <laughs> yeah, so I think at the time I was deadlifting, I think two hundred for three. So when I saw that, I was like, "Fazno, knows something that I don't know." So I need to know what you know, <laughs> you know. So um, yeah, that's and I remember the day where I messaged you on Instagram because I was at work and I messaged you. Um, saying, "Oh, I'm interested in coaching," and then from there, that's when um, I replied to you through email. But yeah, so that was my um, initial interest. Um, so the three men power lifts, and then um, discovering yourself, and then that's what got me interested in coaching with with you. Um, and yeah, that was the initial interest. And going from there just the the first day of like with you um on the the spreadsheet in the program 
I instantly saw like where I was going wrong and where I was lacking. And it was I quite took, different, I remember. The, I think there was a, yeah, it was the, the first day on the program where I saw how bad my nutrition was. And ever since that day, um, I've not like um, hit under a gram of protein per body weight. So I, I was looking at your spreadsheet earlier. Uh, a couple of days ago and I write, the very first entry was something like 98 grams of protein something like that and uh, I think that was quite a shock but also as you say the training was quite different as well just so people at home know what uh, you're talking about there they, I started to see off on a block of 12s and I think he was quite shocked that he was going to be doing sets of 12 in the bench squat and deadlift uh, <laughs> and the variations to that but that was really good that worked really well for a while yeah definitely yeah that was a I shocked to myself because I looked at it and I was like, wow, like I've never done this before. Um, I think like, yeah, I previously, previously mentioned to you that I was on the 5-3-1 and I think I did only ever one week of the, the tens that, that you can find on my Instagram yeah. if, you, if you go through, but that was only ever one week and I've never done it for like uh, a block of four weeks consistently. So the DOMS was crazy. <laughs> like I could hardly walk after the first uh, week of 12s but then it got better and better um and the annoying thing was that i saw where it was going um when we hit the the eights and the fives yeah. and then lockdown hit and yeah i believe that i was on course to be my strongest ever if lockdown didn't happen but then this happened so yeah it's weird how things work out let's uh, just stay on the um the powerlifting for a second because i think it's quite interesting because i've got a few guys who are interested in hitting big numbers as well. What was your experience of five through one now with the lens of having done the higher reps and the build up down? I think initially, cause I started the gym, um, I like seriously in 2017. Um, so that's when I took, I started taking it seriously where I was just focusing on the gym and not the team sports um, that I was taking part in. So I think initially, Initially, it added structure um, and routine to, to, to my lifting. Where, what, and what I mean by that is, I was going to the gym and I was, I had numbers to hit for each lift. Um, and I had that deload week, which I didn't know nothing about. And that gave me information about that. Mm. Um, but what it, what it taught me initially was how to load week to week yeah. and how to take jumps week to week. But it did get to a point where I, 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 stopped, I stopped progressing. Um, and that might have been like the newbie gains where, you know, that beginner phase where you make the initial uh, gains and then after that, do, it doesn't... How long did you do the 5314? I did it, I would say, probably for a, for a year to two years, probably. Okay. okay. Um, it, it, might not, it might not have been two years, but it was for a good amount of time. Um, I've got a logbook here that I started, um, and the dates that I've got is 21st of August, 2017. Okay. And then it goes to the, it goes to when I started, um, working with you. Yeah. So and when, when did you start to reach plateaus with the 531? So with like bench, I'm guessing bench came first as a plateau. Yeah. Um, so I, that, 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 um, block of training where I, missed my two maxes yeah um yeah it was bench and then deadlift um so. but yeah it was the I, I i kind of i kind of um 
tried to put all of this into my Instagram posts. Like I tried to be as transparent as possible. Yep. So in one of them, I put um, assistance work. Like I didn't really know how to structure assistance work or how it would benefit my, my main lifts. Mm. So what I learned with you is there was always um, a reason of why this assistance exercise is put in. And the reason why is to build certain um, muscle groups. Uh, yeah. that will benefit the squat particularly, and deadlift. particularly with your with your squat and deadlift there was a lot of focus on quads initially because you were very a, a very much a hip hinge type of de- squat and deadlifter which you still are to a certain extent there's a much more of a focus on the quads and then also with the direct chest work because when you were benching you, you're built a lot like me you've got longer limbs and i that's how i used to lift when i was powerlifting as well was like i was very hip extensiony and very tricep dominant when i bench pressed so i knew all the types of stuff to include uh, but I think the the big problem with five through one that I've I've been a very vocal proponent against five through one for many years. I hate it. And I don't, I don't like Jim either. Is that he 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 went from Westside and he he basically made his name and he made his business at Westside, and then he capitalized on that by leaving them and producing a system which was supposed to be simpler and easier to understand. Come and when people were basically getting sick of Westside, they realized it doesn't really work that well. And so they wanted something like 531. And that, but I don't think he particularly knew what he was doing because 531 just isn't enough volume for most people. Like most pilots are hitting a lot more sets and reps than that on a week by week basis. You look at, I mean, my 12s, 10s, 8s, 5s, and 3s, um, it's very reminiscent of the old Ed Cohen style of, of training. That's basically how a lot of the American, I think we had that discussion, I remember. We had a discussion about whether we should go for American style bodybuilding powerlifting or more frequent Shaco Corte type of lifting. I see. I remember that now. So that was kind of the history behind that. But I don't think Wendler really knew what he was doing. Um, and he just put down a 5-3-1, which looks good on paper, but it's not enough building. And he, he could have basically had more. Eight, if he had just turned it into like an 8s, 5s, and 3s with a peaking block, it would be way better. But then he would have just copied Ed Cohen. And so I guess he didn't want it. you can't market that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, interesting tangent. Okay, so I think you're right. Like it would have been a good result to get down to the singles then lockdown hit talk us through what was going through your head then yeah i think um when lockdown hit my i'd love to get your thoughts on this as well because i'm not asking you about that one check-in where you where you looked at my spreadsheet and you you said to me oh like uh what's going on here like with my my calorie intake and everything and then my body weight um but yeah like um when lockdown hit um I guess this is where like my obsessive personality came into play because I couldn't squat bench or deadlift and I couldn't progress in strength training. So it was like I went into that, this thought process of what can I do in this time? And I would like previously I've discussed with you, like I've, I've gone through um, cuts and bolts by, my, by myself, but it was not done like the right way. Um, I did cut and I did bolt, but it was just it was just horrible the way I did it. Um, I, I did it twice as well, um, and this this time I had you with me, um, and I said to myself like I can't justify eating how much I'm eating at home yeah. with the amount of activity that I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. So I think I was, yeah, I think I was on around two eight or yeah around two thousand eight coming off lockdown. So. She got you straight. And if you carry on speaking, I'll yeah, look, you were on, yeah, you were on 3,000 
Uh, about, yeah, after lockdown, yeah, about 28, 2900. Yep. Yeah, and I think I was around 90, 91 kg That's at that right. time yep. as well. Yep, I and, can see it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Between, and then I started actually, to. Yeah, between like, 27 to 3000. And your protein intake was very good at this stage. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious. So yeah. about, sorry to interrupt. Um, but when you did previous, to pull you back to the other point, when you did previous cuts and bulks, did you measure your protein intake or what was your dietary strategy? And what, what's been the value of that now? Because I think that's a big thing that people miss. Yeah. The, um, this is what I was thinking about recently, like just by myself. I was thinking everyone kind of knows, everyone's heard of how important protein is, mm. yeah. but it's never really... It's never really practice, is it? Yeah. And so like in my, in my notebook from these years of training um, that I used to write down, I, could, I, I can look back now and see like, oh my God, I was not eating nowhere near enough protein. Um, whereas this time it was something that I was tracking. It was something that I was keeping note of. And I religiously like, yeah, hit that every day, um, every single day. Um, and yeah, the the difference. What, what was the sorry? What was the question? I guess it was. Yes, uh, What? Yeah, it was kind of what you're saying. It was what did you notice as a difference? Um, and I was just curious how you did it last time, mainly because of what the point you said um, was that you know the results weren't as good. So, what did you notice previously, and what did you notice compared to this time? Oh, okay. So yeah, sorry. The, previously, um, looking back at my notes, I wouldn't like have calories in mind i would just eat oh. as little as i could right so yeah, yeah I, I, I didn't measure i didn't measure calories i didn't do macros i didn't um weigh my food out it was just literally like kind of starvation i would say but um i could i, I could do that it was something that i was capable of doing um so it was like probably coffee in the morning some vegetables um some sort of protein and a shake and then that would be it um if i was to give an example uh, but this time i had that structure of calories macros um and i would i would hit that and that was the difference really that um accountability i think as well um would be Did another you find way the higher protein that. take helped your adherence as well like helped your appetite yeah i would i would definitely say that cool. when i was on uh, the initial 3000 calories and I think that was what made the difference because I was structuring my food um, and my meals that way with a higher amount of protein yeah. and I remember on some days like I wouldn't even like want to hit the 3000 yeah. because of that yeah. I remember that um, specifically That's and good. I was like trying to make up my my macros um, with, with, with food that you probably would look at me and think <laughs> you know should you even be eating that but yeah. it was, yeah, um, it worked, I think that was yeah. a, big, a big part. Uh, I, there's a couple of points on that. Um, I keep going back to things you've said because you, you're saying some really interesting things. Um, firstly, the starvation uh, type of diet. I want to address that because I actually have a client right now who's attempting to do something similar and it's not going to work. And I've already told him that he needs to raise his protein intake up because it's not just a matter of starving yourself, is it? Like you've got to actually have the right macros. Definitely, like, um, I, w I would never go back to doing what I was doing before. Like, never. Um, it's just, like, even, like, with performance in the gym, that's another thing I would say as well. Um, 
yeah, definitely. I wouldn't go back to that um, approach of trying to eat as little as possible. I think it's important to kind of figure out and work with where you're at individually and not compare yourself to other people as well. I think that's important as well. Yeah, I think I've fallen into that trap myself as well. The, um, the second thing that I, w- I brought up from that conversation just now was you mentioned something about how we all kind of know what protein intake to have. However, the reality is of you know who's actually practicing it. And I thought that was really interesting because you've probably heard me talk about this before as well, is there's a massive disconnect in, in health circles at the moment because we've all heard have your high protein, have your high fiber. We, we, I'm sick to death of hearing fit pros talk about the benefits of protein, you know, like we all know it. Like, you know, at this stage, we all know that. But how the, the, the thing is, how do you get people to stick to it? That is what I'm interested in. The psychology of fat loss is, is every, everything. If you control that, if you control hunger, that's how you control a good uh, fat loss. That's how you basically control diet. And we'll, we'll talk about how we did that with you in the later stages, controlling hunger. But I think that's a massive question mark. And there, there are certain strategies which are better, I feel, than other strategies for getting people to adhere to things. Because we know what to do. It's just how do we get people to actually adhere to it? That's the big thing that I'm interested in. I don't think a lot of coaches really put a lot of attention into that because you see them all the time on, on Instagram. They're all talking about your typical trite BS. It's, you know, we've heard it a million times before. Um, but yeah, sticking to it, that, that is the key. Definitely, yeah. Um, I think it's kind of like what we discussed uh, before, where you were telling me like you didn't know much about me. So um, the approach you took with me with diet was I was reading I was reading our initial consultation as well um, recently, and it said um, if you're willing to like you put this, you said if you're willing to, I'm willing to help with nutrition as well. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't something that you it wasn't something that you kind of pushed on me. You just, you just said if you're willing to. And because in that time, I was really eager to learn. Um, I was 100% on board with that. Mm. And even then, like, it was, um, uh, from what you said recently, you were like, like, Sunil, I, I didn't know what your approach to eating was. I didn't know your eating behaviors. Um, I wasn't going to put you in a meal plan. Um, and you just gave me my, my information that I needed to work with. Mm. And I worked with it. I built my own routine around that, um, something that I could stick to and adhere to. Um, and yeah, I think that was important for adherence as well because it was kind of my own customized approach to it. Yeah. But with your guidance and your um, education behind that. So yeah, I think adherence is a massive thing. And that's kind of something that I try and share with people as well um, with my posts and stuff. Like it might seem really unconventional, but I'm sticking to it. So it's, it's helping me that way. So yes, that's, yeah, that that's balanced approach. That's really important. I think I think there's 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 I go back and forth with stuff like um, meal plans and if it's macros. Right now, depending if I'm a little braver now as a coach with regards to the more extreme methods of fat loss that I've used, like on certain clients over the last sort of um, six months, like yourself, Josh, a few others that you're going to see coming through the next few months. A few more members of the team are going to be are going to be are you know are looking pretty good right now. So. But I'm braver in the sense that I'm happier to go with the extreme approach as long as we have a discussion about it first. We say, look, this is what's going to happen. And also have the discussion about whether they have a good relationship with food, all that kind of stuff. So like with what I used to do with and what I did with yourself, with new clients, because you don't really know the eating history, you generally start them off on a more relaxed approach because you don't want to trigger any unhealthy habits. And then obviously like we did with yourself, once we've had that conversation, I know you a little bit better. Uh, I can put you on to, you know, um, 
the what I consider to be more effective methods, but they're just a bit more. Um, I wouldn't even say riskier. Uh, they're just they're just a bit more intricate, I guess. You know, it's just it's just one of those things. As as I've grown as a coach as well, it's I've become braver in terms of putting people on stuff that, uh, like on dietary protocols that uh, I'd be comfortable with doing, but I never used to be comfortable with talking about. And I think they work very well. Yeah, definitely. The the rapid uh, fat loss phase, that was something that I I feel like I was good at. Um, you were. It was that initial, like, that, that four to five days at the end where, yeah. you know, because I, 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 was, I, was, I was thinking to myself, like, how am I doing this? And, like, there's no, like, side effects. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, there's none of that fatigue or fog or... But then it, it hit me the last four or five days and I was like, all right, like, I'm not immune to yeah this like um because i always heard about yourself and others talking about it and i'm like why has that not like hit me yet and then eventually did but the initial stages with like the refeeds and the cheat meals and the coming down that i think me personally like i i cope with really well and yeah the drop in body weight from when we started that was like immense yeah um and i think i had that one week where it was like crazy the amount of amount of weight came down but that approach was really um helpful because of the amount of protein you had me on yeah um so that's what i would feedback with that because yeah I, I like for me personally that was that worked really well and it's worked really well for others like josh as well that you've previously had on um and i, and I can see why because of of like hunger is something else that i was sharing as well like i wasn't I wasn't hungry in the in the initial stages, and like the refeeds and the cheat meals were new to me as well. So, like learning about that and experiencing that, that was really enjoyable. It's interesting, isn't it? Because over the past sort of ten years, all we've heard of is cheat meals are bad. You know, because they if you say if you immediately if you say the word cheat meal, that's it. You've created an eating disorder. You know, it's it's crazy. Like how far away from diet culture we are actually in terms of what what's true and what's not. Like I had a conversation with a new client recently and um, she was saying, she said something about cheat meals and she quickly corrected herself. She said, oh no, I mean free meals. And I'm like, look, I don't give a toss what you call them. Like just calling them by a different name isn't going to change. And, and I think, again, the fit pros, the usual, you, I, I, it was uh, Martin McDonald who called them um, well-meaning idiots. And I like that phrase because like, the fit pros are online and they, they try and be all nice and they try and be all like PC. But the fact is, all the research on eating disorders suggests that it's not, it's how you respond to an event that makes a difference. So whether you call it a cheat meal or whether you call it my, my Saturday night extravaganza, you know, whatever you call it, it's, it's how you interpret it that makes a difference. So it's, we, we can call it whatever we want. But anyway, it's me going off on a tangent about, about other coaches who, it's like, it's almost like people, they, they have a little bit of knowledge, but they don't understand the context behind it. And that, that it, it makes me rage because they're all on Instagram. Happy as Larry go, hey, we're calling it a, don't call it a cheat meal, call it a free meal and everything will be fine. It's like, that's not that easy. I wish it was that easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's far more complicated than that. But uh, anyway, so let's, let's crack on with the questions. I want to take it in sort of chronological order. So we've covered some really cool stuff about the fasted fat loss, fastest fat loss, and um, also about protein intake and starvation. And let's move on down through the journey. Um, we've talked about what you felt going into the diet. And so the idea was you wanted to maximize whatever um, you could do at that stage. 
So you realized you couldn't really effectively heavy lift heavy. So the next stage was to get shredded. Now, um, with the goal of getting shredded, you were at, I think, about 90-ish at this point. No, 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 you're heavier than that. Coming into December, you're about 96. So what, um, firstly, what were your thoughts about going into the diet? Um, how far did you need to think, how far did you think you need to get down? Um, and what did you think you're going to look like? And, you know, what were your general thoughts? It's a new change, of, a new change completely. This is really funny because, um, yeah, I share, I, share the, I share this story with you. Um, it's on my latest post on Instagram. It's the 85 kg photos. And I, I, I remember when you, um, you, you said to me, oh, I'd like to do like a piece on you. So if you could take pictures and send them over to me, um, that would be great. And then that was my 85 kg uh, pictures. And, I, and I, honestly, I honestly thought at this stage that I look good. Like I thought, oh, I'm near the end um, at 85 kg. And then like looking back at it now, I'm like, what? Like at 85, like I was nowhere like near like where, where I was wanting to be but yeah that, that was funny to, to look back on um and the importance of taking pictures because it kind of puts everything into perspective so when I when I hit 85 I thought oh yeah I'm, I'm, I'm looking good um but <laughs> you, mean, you yeah, were looking bad in reality we had to come down to you yeah it was yeah exactly yeah um I think I looked I, I looked big still but yeah, yeah it wasn't really aesthetic um but yeah, because like I think I saw my my top two abs coming through, and like that's what made me really excited. Um, but yeah, like that was my initial thoughts uh, at, at eighty five kg. And then, yeah, from from there, I didn't I didn't really know my, myself of where I would have to come down to. Um, but I remember you giving me like little checkpoints of let's get down to this weight, and then I remember like you saying that and. I applied my mind to that and I said, let's get down to that weight. And when we hit that weight and then we said, all right, let's just try this weight. And then we added another checkpoint. And then that motivated me again to, to get down to that, that other weight that we, um, that we discussed. So yeah, I didn't really know of how far to go, but I was just going off of what you were giving me. And I was using that as like kind of fuel to, to get down to another, another low. Um, but I think, cause yeah, cause, cause I, I remember you telling me to take as many pictures as I can. So that's what I did. And I kind of documented everything. And now looking back at it, I can kind of see of where it started to change, which was, I think around July, um, if I remember correctly. That about cause I've, I've got um, a few pictures from July. Yeah, I think that's around there, yeah. that's when like I even, myself started to think like wow like this is this is changing like this is somewhere that i've not been before I in my previous you, you course had, uh, where four pack right yeah 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 because i've had previously a four pack before um in my younger days when i was playing football and stuff but like this was like the point where I, I i realized this is different to before like this is in like we're, we're like in a new realm with my my own physique um and when like the, the, cause like looking at my own composition, like the way I hold fat um, is in that belly button area yeah. and the love handles. So yeah, it was interesting to see. Yeah, so this is like at one point, um, it's a this picture that I've got up. 
yeah um yeah around like the belly button and the love handles um and then after this where i took photos again um i think it was near late july or august um yeah. that's when like it was yeah something else well, you um, look good here though i mean look at your shape the, your width of your shoulders compared to your, your stomach the the actual structure you can see here is actually very good um but yeah obviously the next pictures that we've got obviously these ones which are spectacular yeah it's like, it's like there's minor changes i think i remember you saying like the pounds that come off towards the end are massive yeah in terms of visually so like yeah i i i, I could tell like where i was i was going wrong before like where, where i was missing from my previous cuts and that was just coming down lower wasn't it in body weight it was and make sure you maintain your muscle mass yeah that as well that i think that was massive because before that's the that's that, that's the biggest mistake i was probably making when cutting shall i can i let you into a secret now that it's all it's all over we've got the goal <laughs> See, yeah i um, i uh, i was pretty sure you'd be about 70 um, right from the beginning based on based on what regular people of your height uh or who are natural and have been training for a few years are so i was pretty sure you're about 70 but um it's very difficult to, to sort of say to a guy who's at 97 like dude we're gonna lose 37 kilos you know and i don't often say that with 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 a lot of clients like my i've got a few new clients who are starting who've got a fair bit to lose and generally i just say look we're going to target the next 10 next five kilos because it can seem like a mammoth task like if i said to you from the beginning that we're going to lose 30 kilos for some people it can be demotivation you know but it's a lot better when you can get down to 78 and go you know i'm here i look pretty good you're feeling yourself right you got different clothes you're wearing people are looking at you like okay great and then it's only another 10 kilos to go it's like well i'm in the mo i'm in the zone now so sometimes as a coach you kind of got to play like little psychological tricks uh, just to keep people going um but you know it was it was it worked, I guess. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I can, I can see that. Yeah, like how that would work because, like I said, with like the checkpoints you gave me of let, let's come down to here in body weight, let's come down to here now. Um, that that was really motivating, and it, it drove me to get to that next, um, that next point. Yeah, I mean, um, and the thing about the clothes as well, like at the, at the minute, Faz, that's crazy. Like I've had to buy new clothes for like the gym and stuff and <laughs> i can't I, I can't wear half my wardrobe like at the minute because because of how much weight has come off Good. yeah throw, throw them away it, we're it. not going back there again <laughs> it's a trip yeah but, uh, yeah the um with regards to body weight and stuff like it's very rare for somebody to be hitting stage as a natural far higher than that so i think even after another five ten years of training I can imagine your shredded body weight would probably be about 75-ish, which is still very good, you know? I mean, I hit stage at 80, uh, and I've been training for 21 years at that stage, you know, so quite a long time. So and I think we're roughly about the same height. Mark hit stage about 70 as well, same as yourself, and he was pretty built when he hit the stage. Uh, Josh is obviously quite a lot taller. I think he's about 6'3", and he is lean at 90. Um, I think he would have been absolutely shredded at about 87-ish. So, but that's, he's obviously quite a lot taller. He's got a broader structure, but certainly for typically for guys about our height. And I also think there's probably something to be said in terms of um, racial heritage as well. Like, I think you're similar to me in that you've got quite a, a thin bone structure, sort of a small bone structure. And that tends to look very good on stage because we saw even from your pictures at 78, just bringing them up again here, the, um, the shape was, there we go. 
you could even, you could see the shape even here, even without your waist having completely come in, the shape was was pretty extreme. And I think that's quite typical with guys with like smaller um, uh, wrists and, and bone structures. And then from here, if we look at this, the difference in your shoulders to waist ratio is pretty extreme. We look at that. That's crazy. It's almost like double. So yeah, I, I kind of expected there to be about there. Um, if you're if you're there and you're you're natural that that height and natural, I think that's about a 70 kilo is roughly where most people sit. Then you, when you get very advanced, I can see you go into about 75. Um, yeah, that's roughly where 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 I'd, where I'd see it. It's also quite a deceiving thing because I think when you when you've got quite a small bone structure and a small waist, you can carry a lot more fat without really appearing to be visibly overweight. Do you know what I mean? You, you, your small waist can kind of hide quite a lot of fat. Um, so obviously, as you saw with you, your waist came right down. Um, but anyway, interesting. So let's talk about um, meal prep. Now, uh, if anyone's following you on Instagram, you'll see that you've got some pretty awesome recipes, uh, which look great. Uh, talk us through right from the beginning. Was that a new thing for you? Or like, because right from the beginning, you had to get used to planning your meals, higher protein intakes. How did, that, how did, that, did you do all that? I can't, yeah, that's, that's something that, um, like I'd always have foods that I, I would, so before working with you, I, I always have foods that, um, I would gravitate towards. So, and, and I, I still do like the, the peanut butter and all, all the stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, like, um, like, like before working with you, like I was really, I don't know if the, if the word's obsessive, but like, I was really interested in learning as much as I could. So. I've kind of realized that there's kind of two kinds of people like there's people that will go out on their own and try and search for information and there's other people that will like ask other people for information and they'll just wait on that like they won't really go out of the way to go and find the information themselves like and with like google and stuff like that you know it's like one search button away so that's what kind of that's, that's what i was doing so i was trying to like and, and that might have been like a pitfall where i was like listening to loads of people with loads of diff different ideas and not really setting my foot in into one idea and one like ideology where I was taken from loads. Like, I think I've talked to you about this before where I've done the vegetarian, I've done the vegan, I've done the keto. And that was because of how much I was trying to fit, like learn and figure out. Cause yeah. I would hear one thing and then I, I would be like, all right, like this is, this is something new. This is, this is something that, must work because I'm I'm looking into it and hearing all the stuff about it and it's working for people so I'm gonna try it myself. Yeah, people can and be convincing. Like, yeah. So I went through all that and even though it didn't benefit me, I'm glad I've, I've gone through that because now I can identify like not, where not to do that again. Um, and a lot of my family and close close friends will know this about me. Like, once I get into something, um, I'm gonna see it out until. Obviously, I've, I've ended it at some point, but I'm gonna try it, see it out, and then, yes, see see where it, um, it falls. Um, and that that's like that was my initial approach. So I would try and find information on stuff, try it, and then, yeah, see where that would get me. Um, in terms of meal prep, so I would stick to these certain foods, but I didn't know how to um, construct it like in in a macro calorie way and then once i got that initial help from you 
then I would structure my meals in the macros that you've given me and the, and the calories that you've given me. And I remember starting with you and I'd always, have, I'd always choose from protein sources like chicken, beef, eggs. Um, yeah, I think, I think that was the main stuff I was choosing from. And then the protein powders that I would have as well. Um, and then I would, then I would choose like carb sources that I like. So, you know, just like your, your rice, bread, potatoes, and then like for fat sources, like peanut butter. Um, so it was like, I I kind of knew what foods I liked and it was just kind of fitting that into the numbers. Perfect. And if you were to to give some advice for somebody who is going from your situation to moving towards more structured eating, a more healthy way of doing things. And, and actually trying to plan their meals because that's a very common question. I think people would benefit from that. What would you say to them? So for someone that's like kind of not tracking or yeah, just someone who's who's done the whole you know I'm trying to eat healthy, uh, but they're not really tracking much or really get, having much success. How would you? What would you say to them to get to the point where you are now? It's like um, the way I would explain it is if you want to see results and stick to your diet and adhere to your diet, eat foods that you enjoy um, by fitting them into your, your numbers, your, your tracking, your macros, your calories. That is like, I think I'm proof of that. Like yeah. I was, I was able to eat foods that I loved like, and still managed to lose um, the weight. It's yeah. It's, it's kind of baffling to me now that, um, not not tracking is something that would is something that I would do yeah. because yeah it's just like I'm able to eat what I like I'm able to I'm 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 happier in my in my nutrition now than ever and yeah it kind of baffles me that an approach of not being happy with your diet is something that you know which would which would me which would be to me the not tracking and trying to eat healthy approach. I want to say at this point as well, like if you, you should really check out Sunil's Instagram because you know when a lot of bodybuilders talk about um, eating right and being happy with their food, they're talking about mm, chicken and rice, but you should see some of the stuff that Sunil comes out with. It's amazing, like some really good recipes. So check them out because you've got a cookbook coming out soon as well. But like it's really nice stuff. Like it looks visually very appealing. Uh, so yeah, you, you, when he means nice food, he genuinely means it. <laughs> Yeah, like, so I, I try and take, like, a balanced approach. So I don't try to go, like, you know, all out towards one end. But, like, I will have my spinach and I will have my peppers and, um, and yeah, you know, like, like your typical healthy foods. But I'm, I'm mixing stuff like that as well. That's, like, like that are more treats. Um, and it just helps me stick to my diet and adhere to my diet. So, yeah, yeah that, that's the biggest takeaway. That's great. And I think, um, I think another thing, that we should touch on at this point is having more flexibility in your diet, which is allowing you to maintain a lower body fat because you're happy with it. If we did, if we were to do blood work at this point, and I know we've discussed that I'm 100% certain you'd be healthier now than you were at 97 kilos. So I think people need to let that kind of sink in a second, like getting down to the right body fat percentage and holding a good degree of muscle that is going to make you healthier overall. So, you know, there's no, we don't need to do this whole like chicken or rice to the point of saying, I'm sick of it all. I'm going to, you know, just get off the diet and have some fish and chips. We can incorporate balance and that's ultimately a lot healthier for you. Just getting the body fat levels are the healthiest 
are the main part of driving health, I think. That's one of my biggest takeaways from yourself. Like, I never thought I would be um, taking this approach with nutrition or training, yeah. even even training at the minute. So that, that was another massive change. Um, and yeah, I guess it was just like listening to you and your experience and, you know, how we were talking about like the, the bodybuilding approach rather than like the powerlifting approach. Like it's, it's kind of weird to think about that now um, from where I, I was wanting to start with you. And then now where we are now, it's kind of completely different. So yeah, that, that was a massive change as well. Um, my, in terms my, old, of- my old coach used to say that um, everyone goes through various stages in their life and they start off with the stage of wanting to be big and strong. And then they go into heavy lifting and all that kind of stuff. Then they decide that that's not for them and it's not getting where they want to go. And then they settle down into bodybuilding. Well, maybe not bodybuilding, but physique focused training and, and physique focused diet. And then they kind of settle into that and they're happy with that. But everyone kind of has that phase where they want to be this big Thanos esque powerlifter who can just, you know, smash everything. Uh, and that's, so that's an identity. It's a very strong identity. It's, it's, it kind of makes you feel secure as a young person. Like I, I went through, I mean, I went through 15 years, so you did better than I did. <laughs> so, but uh, everyone has that. And then, um, and then you kind of settle down into this. And I think ultimately most people probably are happier because they just look better. They outwardly look like they work out. They look physically fit. They take the top off and look amazing. They feel healthier. The face looks better, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think we're, we're probably at that stage early which is good <laughs> no I'm, I'm glad as well yeah that makes a big difference um i guess the next thing i wanted to talk about was um mindset now there would have been a fairly large shift in mindset going from the i want to be as big and strong as possible and i don't care essentially well maybe i, I it's not i wouldn't it's a bit harsh to say i don't care how i look but like i I'm more concerned with, with my physical strength than I am with my appearance compared to now where it's like, I want to be healthy and I want to look lean and like I'm in shape. Um, and now we're, we're in the process of building muscle perhaps for a men's physique competition next year. So what like, talk us through that mindset shift. Cause that must've been a big change. Yeah. So I think like, yeah, lockdown had a massive part in it. Um, but just like some, some, just like a backstory um the reason why i kind of got into lifting was probably because of the deadlift like as a lift because it was just naturally like a lift that i was good at and i don't know if that's because of my biomechanics or my leverages but compared to everything else in the gym like i could just walk up to a deadlift and and pick it up um i think i started around 130 140 like just as 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 a single And then from there, I worked up to 180. And just because I saw the progress of working with that one lift, I think that was a big reason why I stayed in the gym. Mm. Because I I previously started and ended like the gym before, where like before I could see any benefits. But this time it was different because I think because of that lift, and that's why it's so close to me. Um, And that's the reason why I kind of gravitated towards powerlifting. Um, But yeah, the, the change of like when lockdown happened and I couldn't do that anymore. It was like my hands were, my my cards were drawn and like, it was like, I can't do that anymore. So the next best thing was to do that. And the shift in mindset was, I have to forget about that and work towards this new goal. And I think goal setting was a a big thing as well. 
um, putting that to paper was a big thing as well. Not just saying like, oh, yeah. I'm going I'm to cut this time. Um, having a plan was a massive part of that. Uh, working off the spreadsheet was a massive part. The weekly check-ins was a massive part. Um, and yeah, so I just applied my energy towards that one goal um, that was made during that time. So mindset, yeah. I've tried to take from other people as well and like other in other sports and other in other like other personalities like it wasn't just other athletes i was taking from it was okay. um like some navy seals like I've, I've taken away some stuff from them as well like um goggins and jocko yeah i, mean, um, I don't know if you heard of them but that. yeah yeah it was like i was trying to sur- i was trying to figure out what other successful people were doing that made them successful and i think it kind of goes in hand with the kind of sport of like physique and classic and bodybuilding where you need that discipline and you need that accountability and that structure and it was just figuring out and just surrounding myself with them of what they're saying what they're doing yeah i think was a massive change as well for myself where i was trying to I imitate and implement what they're doing into my own my, my, my own lifestyle because that's, um, that's and something i think that, that's something josh said as well and could you talk the audience through like some examples of what were the kind of things you learned from like goggins like some specifics because there was one thing you started doing recently about your wake-up times and there's probably a few more as well yeah it's like um one quote i like from jocko willink is um it's these battles you have every day and if you can win these battles, then you could, you can win the like you can you can win the day, and then the, win the week, and then win win the month. Um, and that four thirty thing was like a battle that I was I was trying to to put in like into my day. And yeah, it, it just taught me like discipline. And another thing like from Goggins that I've learned is um, like that callous in your mind, where you know you, you're gonna you're gonna expect yourself to do the same thing over and over again every day every um every week and then that is what's going to get you to your goal in the end um there's a lot of stuff that i've kind of taken away from them um not even them just like other athletes as well like kobe and mj um just to summarize that was um waking up at 4 30 in the morning just so you've you've got that time in the morning but also more for the mental factor of saying that's my win for the day like i've got it 4 30 i'm doing stuff before anyone else is and you're already on the, the front foot with that. Um, and then the, the second thing you said there was, uh, sorry, what was the second thing you said? Callousing your mind, like training yes. your mind. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Just, so just be comfortable with doing the repetitive things necessary to get to your goal. Like, yes, I've got to do the macros today. Yes, I've got to do this today. And whether it's a Saturday night or whether it's a Monday morning, you've still got to be on track with everything. Yeah, I like that. Sorry, you were saying about Kobe, yeah? Exactly, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, like, other athletes as well. Um, and then when, when the last dance came out, I kind of uh, discovered Tim Grover. Yeah, yeah. And then I started looking into, like, I've, I've read his audiobook. I've read, like, how he describes what MJ was doing, what Dwayne Wade was doing, what Kobe was doing. Great series. Um, and how he was, yeah, and how he was, his book's really good as well. Um, he talks about cleaners. He talks about three different levels of athletes and how they're all great, but the slight differences which make them different. And 
yeah, the, the way he was describing the, di- the differences between someone who's like great and someone that's the goat is, is was really insightful as well because he was just des- describing how the goat, like, like someone like MJ, would do stuff compared to someone that's that was great. Um, so just yeah, just listen to what what they have to say. So um, what would be what would be an example of and, saying? And not, what would be an example of say how MJ would do something rather than say uh, Dennis Rodman, who's still great but not the goat? Because there were there were quite a big differences in their personalities, weren't there? Yeah. So just 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 an example from the show is like the way that Rodman would take off those weekends and those days and go party. But 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 they said like he needed that to to come back and be at his best. That, that that was their way of saying it. But MJ would be there like every every day, um, you know, training. Um, but I, I think yeah, I, if I remember correctly from what what Grover said, it was it was cleaners coolers and there was another one that i can't remember at the minute um i can't, I can't remember off the top of my head of what the differences were but it, it was kind of that example of dennis and like mj the differences between their their approach um i suppose with rodman you so could say that yeah that would be like, i suppose with rodman you could say he was kind of like externalizing his uh release his stress whereas with mj he was sort of pushing it forward yeah. to the product the more of a productive path i don't know if i'm making sense yeah i i i, I can see that yeah where you're coming from but um but yeah like that that sort of stuff that i was i was like kind of doing i was i wasn't just trying to listen i was trying to practice it as well at the same time so yeah t- taking action with it is something that was a big difference awesome yeah i like that i like that a lot yeah very cool um yeah i think we we talked a little bit about um shifting focus from say powerlifting to uh physique and how the way that you kind of handle that mentally was you just say well this is my goals now and this is actually the goals or what there are. you could you derive pleasure from the goals and I, I just remember thinking it was very similar to when i transitioned from powerlifting to uh physique for the first time and uh, I realized after a while, it wasn't really body powerlifting per se that I loved. It was the competition, the thrill of the competition, the focus of having the goal in your life. And that was really interesting because I discovered at the age of like 34, something about my own psychology that I didn't know because I always thought it was powerlifting that I loved. And I did. But it, the what about powerlifting that I loved so much was the competition, going head to head against people, beating people. That was what I loved. And so I, I got that same thrill in bodybuilding. So it's kind of what you, you were saying about uh, shifting focus. I guess in a sense, it's shifting focus, but it's more like shifting the modality of the same focus. The focus is still having a goal, but the modality is different, if that makes sense. No, definitely. That, that definitely makes sense. Like, I remember in my initial email to you saying that I, w- I would like to compete, but only when I feel like I'm strong enough. Yeah. And I remember, and I, now I look back at that, and I think, what, like, what, what were you saying back then? Because, like, now I would ideally want to be competitive. Like, I, w- I want to compete. Yeah. And just l- listening to like the way I was talking back then is like something that I don't want to go back to. Like that, that kind of mindset and that psychology. I love that. Of, dude. I love that. Like, just, just get out there and compete. Like, yes. You know what I mean? Yes, I um, love that. 
the amount of people who say that to me, it's like, I'm going to compete in powerlifting when I'm ready. Like, just go. Because I, I never waited. When I did my first powerlifting yeah. competition, like 12 months, it was I mean, like after I started training. Uh, and I had crap numbers. I was nervous. I was so nervous on my first squat, I just fell right through the floor. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, no, it's, um, it, it's it, just get out and do it because it'll make you a better competitor. I, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. No, I don't know why people are afraid of competing. Like bodybuilding, maybe you could consider it because it's a, it's a greater barrier of entry, you know, because you've got to get, really get shredded. And that's quite hard. But piloting, you've got to get up there and, and do it. And yeah, why not? No, I'm so glad you say that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was going to add one more question in because you mentioned the importance of the check-in during the week. Josh said that as well. And he said that he really liked the check-ins and we would do our check-ins on Tuesday, I think, with Josh. And he said he felt it was kind of like a reset for the week. Um, so he felt once he had the check-in, he could kind of go again. It was Wednesday. So like our old check-ins were on Wednesday. We moved now. But he kind of felt like if he got to Wednesday, it would kind of reset him by having the accountability check-in and it'd be good for the rest of the week. Um, how, what was the importance of the check-in for you? How, what, did you what, were your, what were the things you enjoyed about the check-in? Yeah, definitely check-ins. Um, I think I've always said this to you, like, <clears throat> like in, in the check-ins, like, it gave me that burst of energy to get, like, into the next week. And then I'm always looking forward to the check-in, like, as it comes around. Um, <clears throat> one, one reason why I like the check-ins is because I've always got questions to ask you. Yes. And, yeah, um, and, like, the questions can come from anywhere, so... It, it might not even relate to like what, what's been going on in that week um, of like dieting or maintenance, but it's um, it's just like a question that I have that I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on. Yeah, um, yeah that's another reason why I like I like the check-ins um, and just yeah, I guess it's like a time where you can reflect. Even though it's a week, you can reflect on what's happened in that week. Yeah, um, identify what went well, identify what we could work on. Because I remember at one point I wasn't eating like the normal amount of protein that I would be eating. And then you kind of pointed that out to me and said, this is something that you should go back to what you're doing before. Um, and I was like, I was like, damn, like he's, he's right. Um, and that was, that was just through looking back at tracking and the numbers yeah. and identifying something and then using that to go forward with. Um, so yeah, like the check-ins, I, I, I love because it's like, yeah, it is like that checkpoint. Um, and it's kind of using that recap of, yeah. and coming together as a, as, a, as, a, as a team and discussing what uh, we could do to work towards the end goal. Yeah. Um, it's funny so yeah, definitely that checking, the, um, that's something that I've... It's funny you say that about the education aspect, like asking questions, which, and sometimes the questions are just random questions, but I like that. And I've always said I like that. And the reason, I'll tell you why the reason I like it is, it, it builds buy-in. I believe it builds buy-in. I believe it's one of the reasons why my guys get a lot of good results because you've got to be able to have, find a way of motivating your client. Now, whether that's you're with them and you're screaming in their ear, which I'm not that kind of coach, and you know, that's not me. I'm not a cheerleader coach. You know, there's a lot of cheerleader PTs out there and they'll jump up and down and make a big fuss about things and that's, that's lovely. But um, for me, education, I believe, builds buy-in. And if you're bought into the program, if you're bought into what you're doing, education only enhances that. And so I love, I've always said, I love answering those questions. Um, and I've got your questions for this week is already in front of me. Uh, and I'm planning on doing that when we get off uh, this call. But uh, that, I believe it helps buy in. And I, I think way too many coaches overlook that. 
I love the education aspect. This week alone, I recorded a video for, for all you guys on long-term weight maintenance, which I'm going to link to you. And as well as that, I'm also going to be answering your questions. Um, so it, it helps educate, it helps to build. And you'll notice as well, a lot of stuff I talk about, I will, if it's from my experience, I'll say it's my experience. If it's from research, I'll link the research paper. And I think it's important because that builds buy-in. That is, it's a trick that a lot of coaches miss. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've just discovered um, AJ Morris and Cuba yep. and that, that kind of scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was watching one of the videos just recently, and I think it was Cuba that was saying something like, "If like the if like one of his clients doesn't really give him a, um, enough information, like for a check in, like through through questions and stuff, then that kind of that that drains his energy." And yeah. he, he was he was describing it like that. It is. It can so be um, yeah, yes, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so like, I think um, that's really interesting to, to like, look at because sometimes that, that's the case with me as well. Like, I I'd rather have someone giving me energy through questions and feedback that I can work with to give back to them. So, yeah, that's. I think you'll probably find similar to yeah. myself in that the clients who give you the most, you feel like you're able to give them the most back as well. Yes, that's that trade off, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, Definitely. It, it makes such a big difference. I, I mean, I, I really like our check-ins and our back and forths because they're always, it's a good chance for both of us to learn. It's a good chance for me to talk about stuff which I find interesting. It helps your buy-in. And you, I mean, it, to the point where you're now super interested in it and you've always had a, you're now, look, you're now starting to go down the rabbit hole of research as well, which is kind of cool. Um, so uh, I'm going to enjoy seeing what you come up with there. No, definitely. Yeah. I look forward to like this next part. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the, just like, like I've, I've kind of discovered about, about myself personally, like, was it uh, like you described it as neurotic kind of lifters where they're trying to look for like, I, I, how would you describe neurotic? Like just, just, just quickly, how, how, how would you describe that? Uh, I guess if probably very high attention to detail, um maybe overly so than they need to be but uh suits their purpose that's kind of yeah so that's how i would describe myself and, I, and i'm trying <laughs> to work with that and i'm trying to yeah i'm i'm, I'm trying to like i'm bring, bring that intensity down like in that aspect where i'm trying to learn and go forward with the like try not to be so neurotic because yeah. that is something that i can do like i'm capable of and then that can I be mean, a pitfall to I think it gets better when it gets better when like you you've you've done you've accomplished quite a lot like you've accomplished quite a lot now you can relax a little bit in terms of you know being neurotic and stuff like that. I remember actually, funnily enough, Aaron said to me um, when he when he told you about me, he said that he was he just got to the point where you were asking lots of questions. And you're like, I and he just said, I don't know the answers. Just go ask Faz. Go work with Faz. Faz will know. <laughs> so yeah, it looks like you tired him out. <laughs> But no, you, I, I personally, I really enjoy your questions. Um, really, I really do. I like talking about it. And it, it gives me a lot of stuff to good, to, good stuff to talk about. I wanted to talk a bit about um, self-belief. Now, is it a case of you've got goals, you stick to them, I give you direction. Um, and as you know, in my, in my mind, there's never anything you can't accomplish. Like you can get shredded as you have even if you're 97, it doesn't matter. You just carry on following the process. I've done it before. 
I've done it with, you know, Ben and Mark and God knows who else. And now there's a few more people as well. So I know how to do it. So was there ever any faltering of self-belief? Was there ever any points where you thought, shit, you know what? I'm not sure I'm going to make this. Crazy enough as it sounds, um, when I've had when I've had that feeling, it was in this last maintenance phase. Okay. Um, it wasn't. Really? It wasn't. Yeah, uh, there was never a feeling like that in the actual cut or the diet um, coming down, um, because it was something that was really important to me. I, I, it was like there was no option for me not to do it. Cause it was it was like an important goal to me so there was yeah there was nothing that was going to stop me from doing it nice. um and i think that plays into like the selfishness bit of what you might ask me com- coming up but um i i put a lot of emphasis on this part of my lifting journey if you want to call it um from the start of november actually uh, when i started working with you so from back then that's when i made that commitment of this is something that I'm going to take seriously. Um, not just when the, the rapid fat loss stage or fastest fat loss stage started. It was made in November um, of 2019. So, um, yeah, the, the most difficult part was maintenance, I think. And I remember you, I remember you saying that in the check-in, yeah, like, yeah. maintenance is harder than the cut. And I was like, what? I was like, yeah. I didn't really get that. And then it happened and I was like, what? Like, it was, it was, it was the most. It was the most difficult part of the whole process. Talk, talk um, us through why. why and I think you were saying like, because the like the the previous cuts and bulks that I've done, it was like a straight cut and then it was a straight bulk. Yeah. And I ne- I've never I've never practiced maintenance and I, I've never known maintenance. I've never known why people do it. Yeah. Um, like I think that the reason why I probably bulked up again in my previous efforts is because I didn't know how to do that properly. So yeah. I didn't, I didn't learn how to eat at a body weight that I, I've come down to um, before. And I, I remember you saying that, and it's something that I've never, never done. So it was like kind of foreign. And I remember saying to you, like it felt foreign at first, but then that's where like, the structure and the routine comes into play to help with that. So yeah, I remember you saying like people get taught how to lose weight, but they don't get taught how to keep it off. And that stuck with me for a very long time. Um, and it still sticks with me today. Yeah. And that's something that I tried to, that's something that I, I would want to teach other people. And that's something that I would strive to teach other people and show them how to do that. Because, you know, I've lost like weight before, but I've put it back on again. So like learning that is something that was that was the most difficult part of the of the process I think um, it's the that, that's what i would give from my experience it's the most difficult but i think ultimately it's the it's the most valuable because there are way too many diet coaches out there who focus just on losing weight for their 12 week four week one week of pictures uh which they love plaster on instagram but what happens to these guys afterwards like you know they just blow up afterwards and then whereas yourself that how long has it been since the end of, since we finished the cup uh was it was it late august i think it was like the 20 the 20s in the august yeah, like august 20 weeks, something right? so just looking at your spreadsheet now one yeah two, one two three oh sorry four weeks so it's been it's been a full month 
And in terms of your body weight, you are roughly about within of your final body weight, you're within three kilos of your final body weight. And that's a depleted body weight. So you're pretty much right about there. You just filled out a little bit more. We've kind of maintained very, very well. We're slowly reversing out of it. There's far more value in that than there is in just a coach. Anyway, I said it right from the beginning. I used to say it all the time. Any coach can just starve the client down to low body fats You could for long enough. You can shout at them. You can berate them for long enough to get them down. But how do you make them live there for life? That's, that's the magic. That, that's where coaching actually comes into play. That's one of my biggest takeaways, definitely. It's a big one. Um, so I thought we'd go on to the next one, which is the value of being strategically selfish. And this is something that I, I asked Josh as well, because I think that you kind of have to be a little bit when you're getting this far down in body fat, because there are a lot of stuff that has to be, your food's got to be so particular, training's got to be so particular, your cardio, I know you do a lot of rooking as well. So value of being strategically selfish. Yeah, so like, would you say with relationships to other people as well, like family and friends and yeah. um, stuff like that? Is that is that what you say? Yeah, I mean, anyone really. Could yeah, be so it could be friends, could be significant other, anyone. Yeah, so I have experiences like um, feeling like feelings of social anxiety, like being around certain events and certain situations because of you being like in this phase of dieting. Um, it's something that I've definitely experienced. Um, yeah, so that's something that I've, I've come across and trying to explain that to people as well is something that's like a burden and something that I don't enjoy doing. No. Even though you have to do it sometimes, like, oh, why, why, why can't you eat this? Why, why can't you have some cake? Why can't you, <laughs> yeah. why, why, why can't you have a drink? Or, you know, stuff like that. Like, it, it kind of gets to you after a while. It does, because even though you're explaining it, explaining yeah, even though you're explaining it to different people every time, it's something that comes up every time and it's kind of like, oh, I've got to do this again. Um, but yeah, like, like where the selfishness comes into that is because you've set yourself a goal, you know where you want to be and you know the things that you have to do to get to that goal. Um, but yeah, that's like the biggest thing that I would say. Um, it is, yeah, kind of being selfish to the point where people are kind of looking at you thinking, Oh, why is why why is he not doing what I'm doing? Yeah, um, yeah that's that's like the biggest that point me, at the like, end of the like, cut where it, it, people just commenting on your food would would, would bother you because I remember I would get to that point at the end of the cut where where for the competition where if somebody just like said something about my food I'd be like oh in my head I'd be like oh fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, like getting asked like if I wanted to to eat something is like something that really annoyed me. Like, <laughs> I, 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 would, I, I would say no the first time and then I get asked again. And I'm yeah. like, I told you no the first time, like don't ask me about food again. Like, I don't want to keep saying no. Yeah. Um, yeah, stuff like that was, was really annoying. Um, and yeah, like, like um, I remember like people asking me like, oh, you, you, you look tired, you look, you look a bit um, worn out. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm dieting, and yeah. yeah, so kind of, kind of that, kind of that stuff um, was was annoying. Um, but yeah, my, my, my friends are cool about it though, because I, I remember like um, this one time I went, I went to the pub with them, and 
like they were ordering food and I had to add like a Diet Coke. And they just, they asked me once, they were like, oh, you're not eating? I said, no. And then that, that's it. Like, that's good. Nothing else the whole yeah. time I was there. And I was like, that was like, that was really nice. Cause yeah, I just, I just got, I just got to do like to chill out with them and just not, yeah, not talk about, you know, why you're not eating. Why, you know? Well, the yeah. crazy thing is they don't, what they don't realize is you are thinking about food all the time. You're doing your best not to think about food because you don't want to feel hungry. Like you don't need people asking about food. Like, oh, they say, oh, you must be hungry. It's like, motherfucker, I am hungry. Can you stop talking about it? Did you ever get that, people... That, uh, Sorry, Karen. No, I, I was just going to say that story about Dorian who used to go to the gym and then the guy behind the counter used to ask him, <laughs> how's the diet going? That's the diet. And you always say, you always say, yeah, it's going fine. And then you just you snap one day and then, yeah, that's what that, that, that that reminded me about that. Me as well. I, I was going to say, did you ever get treated any differently um, as we kind of, while we're talking about on, around that sort of area, did you ever get treated any differently um, by friends, by work colleagues in a negative way? Because I remember having a couple of negative interactions with people because I look completely different or maybe, I don't know, I don't know, I, don't, I couldn't put my finger on it, but I remember getting a few negative reactions just from small select people. Have you ever had anything like that? Um, like there were like, the, um, I did have a lot of positive comments, um, like I shared with you. Um, uh, but like, I remember like um, some people saying that they preferred me being heavier. so. They, they, they preferred me in the 90 kg to 100 kg range um, of body weight. I don't know. I don't know whether that's because they thought I was hench or they thought I was like big, like the way I looked Isn't that and clothing though? and stuff. But yeah, I don't know whether it's like a guy thing or I, I don't know what it is, but um, like the way I, because I, they, they, they never saw me under, they never saw me without the t shirt on. So I don't know if that was a, um, a factor but they must have thought that i looked hench even though i wasn't hench it yeah, was yeah. it was mainly fat don't you find it strange um, that people are like yeah willing to go and say stuff like that like imagine if you go into a person who's really heavy and say look you know what i think i'd prefer you about 20 kilos lighter <laughs> it's not socially acceptable to say yeah i um like when um i'm, I'm sure people think it now when, when they see me they might think you're you're too skinny um i know that's like something that some people probably think of me at the minute yeah they probably think oh he's he's too skinny at the minute um but the way i think about it now is is that i'm at my probably healthiest ever and probably my best physique ever even if it means that you know some people might think i look too skinny um that's something that i'm willing to accept now and live with um so, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how some people think, like, um, you know, that kind of notion of if you've got abs and you're a skinny guy, it doesn't, it doesn't count. Yeah. Um, that's something else that I've heard. Um, but then, like, the same thing goes, like, if you're, if you're hench and, you know, you're, you've, you've got a belly, like, does, does, does that count? Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of weird how, how, how it works with people, with yeah. some people, yeah. I always, I always find the double standard quite interesting as well because people are quite happy when you're, um, when when you're quite happy when you're lean and you're in shape to say to talk about you or just do. It's to say you know say things like they say to you like I preferred you when you're heavier or I got a lot of when I was when I leaned down for my competition and about the sort of a few months after when I was still lean and I was going out in town or whatever people would just go and grab your arm, 
like just randomly random strangers just grab your arm and like 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 that's a socially acceptable thing to do i'd be like that's not cool you know like you just because uh, like i'd be out i'd be out with like a girlfriend or something and people just come and grab your arm or like you know and he says like, this is not cool you know and i remember specifically i was out in town and we were outside one of the nightclubs and just this random older lady she must be about 45 or something just she's you know she's had a red coat on and she just grabbed my arm i just wouldn't let go and i'm thinking like if i did that to a to a woman it just it would be so different but it that is i find there's a, there's a big double standard there particularly for guys i'd say um that people think it's cool whereas like that that kind of reaction that kind of action on a, on a female which is you completely wrong anyway would probably be seen as worse am i right am i wrong is that a bit um no i definitely uh 100 agree there there is like there are double standards that i i see as well so i can see where you come from with that like definitely definitely with these double standards yeah yeah it's a, it's a weird one isn't it um but yeah so let's talk about um let's go on to let's move on to the fastest fat loss approach so nearing the end i uh, i had a conversation with you and i said that look um for the last sort of i think it was about 10 kilos or something so let's just kind of rewind it for the last phase essentially uh let's start with something which is a bit more drastic and how i asked you how you felt about that it was when you were about 80 kilos yeah 81 kilos um what was your thoughts going into that and the first week how did you cope with that I was I was I was up for it. Yeah. It wasn't something that you know kind of scared me. I looked at I looked at that as like another challenge. So um, I couldn't get I couldn't wait to get into it. Um, that's the way I approached it. Um, yeah, I don't know whether it was because of my experience with my other two quotes that probably somehow helped with this, but it was um, yeah. So the, the change in protein intake uh, along with carbs and fats. Uh, that approach that you gave me um, worked well for me yeah. and I didn't have any problems with it. So that's, yeah, that, that's what I would say in terms of that. And I really enjoyed um, the monotonous uh, approach to it where I didn't have to think about like my meals because they were just set. So I, I was sticking to probably the same protein source every day, if not rotating it in with something else. Um, and I think my approach to the, 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 the fastest fat loss phase got better and better as I, as I did it. I because um, I think when I started it, I was sticking to like one, one protein source and along with shakes. And then as I went into it, I kind of started rotating the protein source, which was chicken that I started with. Then I started like rotating that with tuna. Then um, I would get chicken tuna and then maybe egg whites. Um, I think I probably had fish in there one at one stage, but yeah, that, that monotonous kind of approach of kind of robotic approach to it where I didn't have to think about my meals. They were just there, eat, get on with it. Um, whereas like I struggled mostly with maintenance where it was like, how do I do this again? Yeah. Um, how do I structure my meals or carbs again? How do I, how do I get my fat intake up again? I think with the, um... that, that, that was probably, I think I think with the um, the fastest fat loss, just to go back to that a second, that just to look so the audience knows, we completed the last twelve kilos 
in about 11 weeks. That's, I just look back and that's how long it took. Now on a regular, and, and everyone's seen your condition, like you've got down to stage shape. I don't think anyone's gonna argue that you wouldn't be able to step on stage with that condition. So the difference being then, to go from 78 to 68 on a regular cut, like the last, 20, last 10 kilos, would normally take people about 20 weeks. And so what we did effectively was we halved the time dieting. Now dieting is always gonna suck. And getting that, staying at that body fat level with on a deficit is always going to suck. I mean, you've you've felt it yourself the last couple of weeks we've been on maintenance. It does. It's not. I imagine the first couple of weeks were probably harder. Now it's probably going to be getting a little bit easier. And this week you've got more food again. But like, there's 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 value in finishing fast, and because you you're less weeks in a deficit, we essentially halved it half the time we were in a deficit. So that's a credit to one your um, meticulous approach to the diet. And two, the approach that we took, which is going down really fast. Because 20 weeks in a cut at that body fat level, it would have been hard on you. Yeah, that, that's something else that I've learned as well. Is it, um, I was reading about this somewhere, is it diet, diet fatigue like around the six week mark is something that you should come yeah. back to maintenance for? Is I say that, six weeks, yeah. Or is it like six to no, I think, six I think to nine weeks? I think the weaker you are, the, yeah, you that, get diet fatigue quicker. So we, we took uh, quite frequent breaks with you. Um, but uh, in terms of overall fatigue, yeah, I think probably when you're fatter, probably every six weeks is when you want to be taking a break. I think that's a good option. For when you, as you've seen, when you get really lean, it's more like every two weeks. That was another big takeaway as well for myself. Um, just, just learning about that and diet fatigue in general, um, along with the refeeds and cheat meals with the, that, that initial, initial phase. So, um, yeah. yeah, that experience was, uh, re it's, it's, an, it's an experience that's going to stick with me forever because it is my first experience with this. Yeah. And I believe that every other time I do this now, I'm going to be better because of that, because of this so. initial experience. So, I mean, just to put it yeah. in perspective for people as well, um, Sunil is now back on about 2,600 calories as from today. Um, and that is at a body rate of about 155 pounds so it's a pretty good maintenance um just do the math on that for a second 155 times yeah so basically he's, he's on over 15 times body weight so he's on a lot of calories for his size so in terms of you know a, a crash diet or a fast diet affecting metabolism it just it doesn't do that at all like snail's living proof of that it's perfectly healthy it's not depressing your metabolism at all and the fact that we can get in and out get shredded and then get back to maintenance and now start growing i think is very very powerful tactic yeah Baz, what, what do you think about so this is like um i've not spoken to you about this before so this will be new to you um i'm having like so the way i structure my meals is uh with how many times a day i like to eat yeah and then i so say like if i'm eating three times a day or four times a day i split my calories and my macros into three or four and then use that to structure each meal so I'm eating like roughly around my biggest meals will be like around 800 calories, probably touching nine. And like, I'll be hungry within three, four hours of that. Yeah. Like, is that something that's, cause like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm metabolizing my, my food really quickly. Um, at, at this like stage, like, like how, how does that work? Um, I think, um, in terms of like your body, is it activity levels as well? Or is it, I think this is a good chance to talk to the audience about um, the value of different macros. So let's just start with explaining what macros Sunil is or was on prior to today. 
So prior to today, so it was on 230 protein, uh, I think it was 250 carbs or 275 carbs and about 50 fat. So in that approach, we've got high protein, about one and a half grams per pound, which is very good for satiation and it's also very good for the thermic effect of food. So a lot of bulk uh, and also quite good for muscle retention and attenuation of fat gain as you get into a lean bulk phase. So that was the, why we have protein that high. Fats being relatively low right now or actually increased from where they were before. So prior to that, we were on about 20, 30 grams from the prior fasted fat loss approach. So I purposely asked Sunil to put this fat up to 50 grams, which I think he should feel some benefit of this last week. And carbs would make up the remainder at about 250, 275, I think they were last week. Now, the carbs are that high. They need to be over about 100 to make sure that thyroid function is good. Where I think uh, we're seeing this, what Sunil said just now is um, the fast emptying of the GI tract. So food going in and getting processed very quickly is more than likely due to the fat intake being about 50 grams. What I've, what I've done this week is I've increased your fat intake to 60 grams. And with fat intake at a little bit higher, what that should do is slow the movement of, of food from your gut out. So what you should find is you should stay full for longer. So another 10 grams of, of fat evenly spread out throughout the day. So I tend to think if we can roughly view nutrition like this, protein and fat need to be relatively evenly spaced throughout the day. Okay, so like ideally, let's talk ideal situation here. Protein every three hours, ideally, okay? In an ideal world. Fat intake also roughly every three hours with the protein meals, except potentially pre-workout, if you really want to min-max. Carbohydrates mostly spread throughout the day. Again, leverage them around the workout if you want to min-max. Um, but that's, that's, I think, will make a bit more of a difference. But then as your calories intake gets up higher, your fat intake will probably go a bit higher as well. But what I found for most people is 60 grams of fat is a pretty good amount. And that also puts your overall calories at 2650. And again, for your body weight, that's, that's a good amount of calories. It's not actually far off what you're eating uh, at the beginning of the cut, which you were about 3000. And considering that you're 66 pounds down now, I think we could say that, you know, uh, we've not wrecked your metabolism or anything. You're doing okay. So that, that's, my, that's my explanation of that anyway. That should help. Yeah, little stuff like that is like a massive help. Um, that, that's been a massive help in my journey. So like the little things that you kind of explained to me through increasing fat intake, like from last week, yeah. those little changes do make a massive difference. Big difference. Even though there's, there's these little changes. Yeah, and, this, yeah, and just like the education of, of that over, over this whole journey, like it's been a massive help. So I think, yeah, yeah, I, I really appreciate all that. Depending on how, how well your lean book goes, and in fact, we'll talk about that as well, because that'll, that'll benefit the audience and it'll benefit you as well. Uh, in terms of how well your lean book goes, how quickly you put on muscle mass, your fat intake might go higher as well, depending on how, how large overall calories are. Because, I mean, between you and me, I'm pretty sure we'll get back onto 3,000 calories at some point. You know, not saying it'll be next week or the week after, but we will be back up to 3,000 at some point. And I'd like to see your fat intake closer to 80 grams then, just again, to keep you fuller for longer. And protein intake will probably be about the same, maybe a little bit higher. So rough numbers i'd be aiming for is like protein 250 uh fats about 80 and then carbs where they kind of fall um just to keep a good steady amount of food throughout the um about the day but in terms of how we're going to progress from here on out what i'd like to see is about roughly a kilo a month in terms of body weight uh progress so now that your body weight has stabilized from 68 to about 71 ish and just so the audience knows that's not a purposeful gaining weight that's just where he was at the end of the cut depleted and where he is now filled out. So his body fat percentage has stayed pretty much the same. We've just added food back in. 
So from roughly 71 on average, what I'm going to want to see is next month about 72 on average and every month thereafter an additional kilo until we get to maybe 75 and we'll have a look at your body fat percentage, see what it is to look like, what it looks like. If we're still looking good, great, carry on. Let's carry on gaining muscle. If we get to the point where we're feeling a bit soft, then we're probably going to maintain for a while, hold that body weight. And again, the maintenance will be on the higher calories. So let's say we get to the point where we're 75 kilos and we're on, I don't know, 3,400 calories. We'd probably stay roughly there, maybe knock it down to about 3,200, but roughly there. And then we would do another cut. And we would cut, we might cut fast, we might cut slow. I prefer to cut fast because it'd be, it'd, be it'd be a mini cut basically. But at that stage, we'd have, you would be feeling great. Like you'd have five months of surplus calories. You'd be like, this is fucking great. Like five months in with six pack and surplus <laughs> calories, you'd be like, this is great. And then a cut at that stage would be quite easy to do. But you'd cut, you'd get back to like this ridiculous body fat percentage right now, but with hopefully another few pounds of muscle. And we'd probably aim for a maximum of two mini cuts per year this year probably only one because we'll be the mini cut will not maybe not even any mini cuts this year probably a mini cut next year february march time and then after that again maybe october november time but the, the point is we're always going to remain in that low body fat percentage anywhere between 10 to 13 14 maybe maximum 13 maybe even 8 to 12 you know just in that range because like, like with all my guys we want to stay lean because that's that's where it's healthiest and I believe it's the best balance of performance versus real life looking good and feeling good about yourself. But uh, that, that should give the audience a bit of an idea about how we go about progressing things forward. I can't wait to, to tackle this. Like, yeah. I'm ready to go already. Yeah, it's, it's going to be cool. I mean, obviously, that's a, ma a massive sort of uh, simplification of the process. Uh, and as we go along, there'll be various challenges and details we need to work through. But essentially, that, that's it. I mean, we'll be looking to creep your body weight, body weight up, get your expenditure higher. As you reach into the bigger calorie numbers, you're probably going to do a bit more work in the gym as well. As you've seen this week, the volume's getting up there. Uh, and we're going to carry on pushing the volume higher as you get bigger. And um, yeah, no, I mean, as long as we keep you lean and we keep it slow and steady, we can build the calories up. You'll feel great. We want to keep you lean, healthy. And just building muscle like another year of that and you know you're going to start to look really really muscular and then all, all the comments about oh you're too skinny you're not going to hear this anymore <laughs> <laughs> no it's great yeah so that that gives the audience a bit of um sort of a, a handle on that um and hopefully you answered your question about the fact the um digestion and speed of um, food as well so in terms of uh going down to i'm, I'm aware i've kept you for a while so i'm just going to go on to the last few questions second to last one benefits of a coach so yeah i've i've harped on about this on all my posts on instagram but um <laughs> just to recap and go over it again um the biggest takeaways for myself are accountability direction uh, and structure and those three things that have helped channel my energy in the right direction in the right path because um, I feel like a lot of my energy was being wasted on stuff that I shouldn't have been yeah. um, focusing it on um, but with like your direction of you know the, the spreadsheet the, the check-ins the education and all of that um, that's been like probably the biggest difference in in getting results for myself and how to 
how to structure my nutrition and lifting going forward. Um, and there's, a, there's so much stuff that I've learned on this journey and process um, over the, this nearly last year that's made me, um, yeah, like I said like before, a better lifter and a better coach going forward. So, yeah, it's, it's something that's like, I would say priceless. Um, I've always, like, I'm glad that I've like, found Faz because before it was just me going on YouTube or Google and just trying to, you know, learn off other people, other people that are coaches. And I've, I've learned stuff off them as well, but now it's like more, like I'm listening to, like, to just Faz now and I'm, t- I'm taking Faz's approach. Um, it, kind of, it kind of annoys me, like people that um, would disagree and um, not take their coach's advice on board because you know at the end of the day you're investing in that person so what you're investing is is like their beliefs and their ideology so it's it's, yeah it's um it's something that it's like faz has got me to this point and i'm going to keep listening to faz and keep taking on board his advice um and it's like yeah that experience that you have um is something that i'm looking to um benefit from 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 your years of of lifting and what you've learned from people um, in the industry and in powerlifting and bodybuilding, men's physique and all that. So yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I do not take for granted. And uh, I'm appreciative of every week when we check in and every time you share like, you know, a piece of information with myself. So that's how, that's how I would recap and feedback on, on that of the benefits of a coach. Awesome. No, thank you very much. Appreciate that. And I think, I think the audience would be, be, would be pleased to sort of hear that as well. Um, and yeah, and that, that's, that was my original goal was to share my experience because I've made a lot of mistakes and I just, I want you guys when you're still young to be able to get to where you want to be by the time you hit 30 and then you can just spend your 30s just chilling out with a good physique and focusing on other things like business and or family and all that kind of stuff because that's, that's what it's about. Um, and a final question is looking good for life. And I said the same thing to Josh as well. I was like, you're here now. You've done it. You've done what many people would look at the transformation and go, that's just impossible. Um, and you've done it. And I, can I just say as well, you've done it naturally. Um, so that makes things a lot simpler in a certain one respect. Um, Cause I've had a few questions about that as well. People have been asking like, what's he taking? He's like, he's not taking anything. <laughs> so, he's taking peanut butter. That's about what he's taking. Uh, but so you, you've made it now. Um, <laughs> looking good for life. How does it feel to have made it? Yeah, this is, this is still a trip to me, Faz. Like, you know how I was saying to you, like, I can't really see it in myself. Like, yeah. it's it's still it's still a trip. Like, I don't I don't I don't probably see what you see, and I, I don't probably see what other people see. But it's like from I think from the pictures is what helps me a lot because that that puts it into, into perspective for me. Um, so just going off that, like, it's something that I'm really appreciative of for having having done. Like I'm glad that I took those steps in lockdown to initially on my own on my, on my own decision to cut calories and start looking towards towards doing that yeah um I'm glad that I made that goal for myself because um, it's got me where I am today and yeah just just like for going forward um I think this has benefited me a lot more than where I would have been like if, if lockdown didn't happen so yeah, looking good for life. It's something that I like. I remember saying, like, you know, that that deadlift video of you is like where I wanted to be. Um, 
but like, would I trade this where I'm at now for like a 250 deadlift for reps or something? Or sorry, what I was working towards was a 220 deadlift um, for a single. Like, what would I trade that initial goal now for this? And I'd probably say no. Like, I'd rather have this what I have now um, to build off. Which sounds kind of crazy because my initial goal that I made with you was that kind of that strength goal, but I wouldn't I, w- I wouldn't trade that for this looking good for life now um, that we've that we've done. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, um, it's something that I've kind of I'm still learning to take in um, and appreciate, but it's 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 amazing. It's um it's, it's life changing because now I can. I can create something with this foundation that I've built and not make the same mistakes that I've made in my previous years where, you know, I, I did those dirty bulks and I got up to 2.30 and I didn't realise what was going on. Um, and it's kind of a trip now to kind of be back like in the 150, 160 range. Yeah. And yeah, it's something that I don't see myself doing ever again. And that's just through experience and through your help. Um, that's made that the, big, the biggest difference so far. So, uh, yeah, like what's to come in the future? Like I'm looking really forward to, um, it's going to be my best years. So I'm glad that I've got it done with in my twenties. Cause I feel like I've kind of left it late, um, as well. So I was, I was initially meant to like work towards these goals in my early twenties, but obviously because of the, because of the stuff that ha- happened to me with like the, um, my confidence and the fear of the gym and stuff like that it's something that I've just started working on. So I'm glad that I'm, I'm here now and I'm glad that I can start using these years coming to, to work towards this. And it's something that I'm definitely going to stick to. Like there's, there's no um, way around that. It's going to be one of my main goals going forward. So yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful for, for everything that was done by yourself to help me to, to get to this point and for everything that's going to be done in the, coming yeah. to, uh, in the future. Awesome. Awesome. I think, um, you know, I think over time I could see you getting stronger than you previously were in your piloting days, like pretty easily as we actually have a more stable time building muscle because we're going to be in a surplus for probably the next four or five months and your body's going to get pretty strong in that stage. So um, I think you're probably going to be surprised yourself in terms of those goals as well, uh, but you'll do it while looking good. <laughs> so that's cool. Um, right, Sunil, we'll um, call it there and uh, just want to thank you again for coming on. There's a lot of really useful tidbits that we talked about there. So uh, thank you for coming on and um, all the best. <laughs>